Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Josh Parcell with us, College Football Country Podcast, College Sports and Sirius XM Radio. What's the truth on what kind of athletes Tennessee has? They could not stop the run and they couldn't run the ball themselves. Would you pick BYU to beat them? I mean, yeah. At this point, Tennessee is in rough shape. You saw it on Saturday. There were fundamental issues in the Tennessee program. They're far away, I mean, based on that one game. And they've got a lot of making up to do, and they got to do it in the toughest conference in college football. I think BYU has a great chance to go in and win that game. A little Mia Culpa from Josh Parcell there, who joins us weekly on the big show. He's our college football national insider and uh, does a really terrific job. For those of our listeners who don't speak Latin, we want to tell them what that means. I don't know. He, he admitted when he was wrong? Okay. Does that work better? Yeah, you're just getting a little highfalutin I there. I'm just right. trying to bring it back down. No, but Josh had told us, and, and he acknowledged us in the interview, and go online, 1280thezone.com, uh, and you can give it a listen if you want to hear the whole thing. But he had joined us a couple of weeks ago, Gordon, and he was high on he Tennessee. Was. He, he said they were going to be much improved and a real threat. And he really liked the talent that Tennessee brought back, and he came on the show yesterday, and he said after seeing that, you know, missed on that one. Whoops. Yep, it sure looks like it. Now we'll see. Now because uh, out of Provo you're hearing – the coaches and players say, well, Tennessee is going to be all fired up now and we're going to get their best shot and all this. I just don't know how good their best shot is. Right. And I wonder, Gordon, it, does it amp up the pressure on BYU a little bit to win this game? Because I, I think there is pressure to win one, maybe two of these first four, and that's a, that's a daunting task. But now that you should beat Tennessee, does that amp up the pressure even more? I think there's enormous pressure on both sides. Regardless. Yeah, because Tennessee, are you kidding me? If they start this season 0-2, how's that fan base going to react to that? It's great playing at home and you feel the support of the fans, but when, what do you do when the fans turn on you? If mm. BYU goes out and beats the Vols on their home field uh, and, and everyone's looking around, it could get vicious. Well, Pruitt might not make it. Make it through it, if you know what Pruitt I mean. Pruitt might not make it through it. And it would All not right. be the first quack, time. Quack, quack, crack, 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 splat. And it wouldn't be the first time that BYU, you know, beat a big-name school and they fired their coach pretty much immediately. <laughs> In fact, hasn't it happened a couple of times? Really, wasn't the end of Mac Brown when they got trounced by Taysom Hill well, at I, uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium? I, I think that the, uh, the immediate aftermath was firing of the defensive coordinator, wasn't it? Right, but they began the job search. On the way back to the airport, right? <laughs> Maybe. I uh, so BYU is there like the job wrecker? Well, I mean, you, you go into a big name program, you bounce them on their own field. I know Texas was at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, but it was the way they they just absolutely ran over Texas that game. Yeah, BYU beat Texas down at uh, Texas as well. It was both of those games covered. The one them. down there was not a steamrolling, though. That was a, that was the one when Taysom Hill did that hurdle yeah. over the defender. But, I, I mean, remember the game where Texas was here, and I was doing our pre- and post-game coverage, so I was down there. And uh, remember it was the one with the crazy weather the before it even kicked off? The in. Oh, that was vicious. Yeah, that was wicked down there. And then Taysom and Jamal together, I think, ran for 500 yards in a game. <laughs> and they just beat the stuffings they out did. of Texas. I remember. And when I was driving home after the post-game show, I was 
uh, passed by the Texas bus that was going back to <laughs> the airport. It wasn't a fun bus. Well, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't. I didn't have X-ray vision to see in, you know. But let me tell you, that bus was going about a hundred miles an hour, <laughs> so they were in a hurry to get back to the airport, and uh, it was pitch black, and you didn't see any motion in there. It was, it it. It seemed like a somber bus, but who knows? But anyway, point being, how about this? If tennis, if they, if BYU trounces Tennessee, and they can Jeremy Pruitt, and then they come back home, trounce USC, and Clay Hilton's out the door, how would that be? <laughs> wow! Line them up, just knock them leaving down. a wake of coaches. See, it's the thing. What would they really fire Pruitt this I don't quickly? Know. He's he's still playing with uh, not his own players. He's only been there a year. See. You know, the rule of thumb is a coach should get three years, right? He should, And yeah. for the most part, I I, I agree. Dude but, was a defensive coordinator at Alabama. Yeah, but we've seen mixed results on yeah, coordinators at Alabama. I, I mean, we know what a dreadful coach Michael Oxley is, but we'll see how he does <laughs> at, at Maryland after uh, being a coordinator for Alabama. Uh, but I, I'm not familiar enough with what's going on at Tennessee, but I'll, I'll tell you this. If if I'm an athletic director, I try to stick by that three-year rule. I try to think, you know, I, I need to give a coach an opportunity. Yeah. But what happens when you, you look and the coach, the, the problems that he was hired to address just get worse? And you know you've got a bad coach. Are you really obliged to give them that three years? I guess it depends on how many boosters you have that are willing to write the check for the buyout. Who was the Who was the alumni coach at Colorado? And I'm having a, a brain fart here, Austin. If you can remember, who only got one year? Empy? What? No, em- Embry. Embry. Keith wow. Embry. Wow. Yeah, yeah. At Colorado, who only got one year because yeah, the athletic that's... director looked at it and went, "Okay, and then you know what? I'm." What I got to give this guy three well, years well, to have a tailspin? Why'd you hire him in the first place? Well, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, but do you have to? Are you? Do you who's have to be saddled? Maybe with... you should have been fired for hiring the guy. Hey, there, I mean, there's probably something to that too. Uh, one year, in... one year is just. Uh, but I, I hear what you're saying. That if you look and say, okay, this guy doesn't have the leadership necessary to to bring our program around, and that is absolutely clear to you. But if you're just going on results on the field, I, I, I think you've got to give a guy more time than that. Okay. I hear Have you. to. Have to. But losing to Georgia State in an opener at home, that's a blow. I mean, how bad does it have to get before you figure out you got to get somebody else in there? But, yeah, I don't know enough about Tennessee to if know if his job's really too. on the line. Yeah, and there's pressure on BYU side, too. I mean, this is the one that you think they can get. If Georgia State can beat this team, this team could not run the ball on Georgia freaking State. Okay. So if they run all over you, then you got a problem. And I understand a lot of people, including Hans, are saying that Zach Wilson is going to be depended on to just have a great game. And the quarterback for Georgia State did run for a lot of yardage. But, uh, I mean, I, I think BYU should be able to run the ball on this team. If Georgia State can do it, BYU should be able to do it and reestablish or establish uh, Tyson Williams as, as just your premier back. Get your offense going. I'm not saying run the ball like we talk about with Zach Moss and the Utes, but you know, until that team can prove it, can stop you on the ground, then make them prove it. I follow, or I occasionally check this uh, kind of silly website, and that's really what it is. Silly. It's called CoachesHotSeat.com, oh. and it, it's nothing. 
you know, it, it's a bunch of college football people who kind of put together this list or whatever. But it constantly Kalani's adju- on that list. He is. It constantly adjusts, and I, I at least find it entertaining. But you know who's number one on uh, the coach's hot seat list right now? Who? Jeremy Pruitt. Woo! Uh, yeah. You know who's number four? It would be Kalani. Kalani Sitake. So there is pressure, and the players know this. They know they don't want their coach to get in hot water. They 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 want to rally and get help save their guy. Uh, so I I do expect these teams to play better than they did in the first week. I I I just don't know how good Tennessee is. I think BYU is decent. I think BYU has a chance to be, as Lavelle used to say, a chance to be a pretty good football team. They got a chance. But they have to improve. They can't be throwing pick sixes and turning the ball over like that, and and sort of making dumb play calls on the offensive side. They got and they can't wear down defensively if that's what it was. Because remember the options that Hans gave us were there were two. They either wore down or they quit. Neither is particularly good. And I don't know which one it was. I didn't even really think of it in those terms until he said that. Yeah. Real quick, speaking of Josh Parcell, did I hear on your show, right, Austin, that, that you sent Josh into a panic? Uh, that's correct. What did you do? Uh, it was yesterday when I got him on the phone for this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had seen on social media that his station, WFNZ in Charlotte, was going to start having uh, a weekly interview with Cam Newton. And so I said, hey, that's pretty cool. Congrats on that. And he was so excited. Are you kidding me? How come I didn't know about that? I've been trying to get that interview landed for over a year now. I can't believe no one told me that's so exciting. And then I realized I had said Cam Newton, and it was actually Steve Smith Sr. Ah. that I should have been saying, not Cam Newton. So I broke his heart. Whoops. So um, are those too easy to confuse? No, what happened was there on the television was Cam Newton. Uh, You're thinking Steve Smith, and, you uh, wrote, and I'm seeing and Cam, uh, Newton. Uh, Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all right, that's easy I've been to there. Do. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. That uh... it's not Mike Yam and Yogi Roth, but <laughs> you know now, who I ran... that was funny. You know who I ran into at the concert last night? Zane Beatles. Really? Yep. I was standing in the concession line before the concert started, and there's this massive human being in front of me. And I couldn't see his face. It's kind of like a Jimmer Fredette moment. And he was with his wife, this individual. And I said to him, finally, I was standing there for a while. Finally, I said, how often do people ask you if you were an offensive lineman? And he goes, I've gotten that a lot. And I said, were you an offensive lineman? And he said, yeah. Then did you I played, say I played here for the Utes and I said, What's your name? And he said, Zane Beatles. And I said, Hi, Zane, I'm Gordon Monson. I've interviewed you about ten times. And so we had a good chat. It was good to see him. He's did, retired now and has twins, has a couple of babies and a beautiful wife, and uh looked like he was living the good life. Yeah, he was on the station not that long ago. Yeah. But uh did you ask him if he remembered when you confused him for Zane Taylor? I thought I confused Zane Taylor for him. Was that? Was I, that what I was? don't remember. I got my Zanes mixed up. You did. I remember that yeah. day, where he had to say, uh, thanks for, "Actually, thanks for uh, reminding everybody." I well, I thought it. that's why you that came to mind because we were talking about thinking one name and speaking another. And, well, that's not why I brought it up, but uh, I did see him last night. He looked good. Man, he's a he's a big human being. Well, he's just out of the NFL as an offensive yes. lineman, so I would imagine. <laughs> He's probably not small. Yeah. I get that all the time, he said. Why? 
Oh, because I played in the NFL and I played for the Broncos and I played. Who else he played for? Was it Tampa Bay? Jacksonville. 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 And he was on the Ellen Show. Yeah, I remember that. I watched that. Did you see him on that? I he did. did a terrific job there. Yeah. All right, uh, let's talk a little Utah here for a second, uh, Gordon. Enjoyed uh, the Ute preview show today with Frank Dolce and uh, Hanson Scotty. They do a they do a great job, and uh, they they had a discussion that uh, I thought was certainly worthwhile to bring up. the The narrative from kind of the Ute faithful after Tyler Huntley threw for what was it 106 yards in uh-huh. game number one against BYU was he didn't have to do more, which right. I actually don't think is necessarily 100% wrong. But I thought Frank very astutely pointed out that both Andy Ludwig and Kyle Whittingham this week have both said that the pass game needs to get better. Right. So I, I think that's I think that's interesting because it would be easy to write the, the pass game or lack thereof, and I say lack thereof by yardage more so than efficiency because 13 to 16 is pretty good. But he the, dropped back to pass, what, 24, 25 times, something like that? So who do you blame when a quarterback takes off running instead of throw, actually completing the, the play as designed? Do you blame – do you credit the defense? Do you blame the receiver? Do you blame the quarterback? Do you, is that a breakdown as far as the passing game goes? I mean, that could have been part of it, too. I, I totally agree. In fact, I think you hit the nail on the head. And if you want to assign blame in that, in this particular circumstance, I believe it's Tyler Huntley who's not going through progressions, and he's just taking off and running. And we talked a little bit about this, Gordon. It was either Friday or Monday, which this is a delicate line. Speaking of Jimmer Fredette, Actually, I think there's a there's a comparison here because when Jimmer was going to the NBA, the 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 popular you know kind of take on it was well they'll turn him into a traditional point guard, mm-hmm. and if they did that, well they're kind of taking away Jimmer's game. I mean that's that's not what makes Jimmer special. What made Jimmer special was what he he did at BYU and the and the shooting and the balls in his hands and and him making plays. Uh, particularly for himself, and he wondered kind of like, well, how will that translate into the NBA? And the the answer is it didn't uh, for a variety of reasons. But the point is, like with Tyler Huntley, if you force him to stay in the pocket and go through a bunch of reads, is that taking away what makes him special? Because his ability to run and break those plays are are kind of what makes him good. I think the truth is in the middle, Jake. So that, he, I guess if, that's my question. Yeah. yeah. If he goes through his progressions a little more patiently and then he decides to take off running, then I think coaches would be more understanding of what's going on. Because I think he's going through one read, and if it's there, great. If it's not, he's out. Well, I don't know that for a fact, but it kind of looked that way. And again, it gets back to what we talked about yesterday, Jake. When, when you have a head coach who preaches at you over and over and over again not to turn the ball over. Don't do it. That is the swing thought in his mind. That's the last thing he's thinking. I mean, the first thing he's thinking of when he was when he's dropping back to pass. And I think that's inhibiting. And I get it. I understand the value of it, especially in a game against BYU where you saw Zach Wilson throw two balls that were turned into touchdowns for the Utes. Yeah. So I get it, but I'm I, – I'm not sure where to assign all the blame. I guess I'm saying it that way. I'm not sure either, but I don't think that Utah's struggles at quarterback over the past 10 years have been solely the result of Kyle Whittingham's conservative no, tendencies. No, that, that's, that's taking a bit of a—that's uh, going quick. And uh, I'm not so sure that that's the reason. Like, we, we got into this the other day. I don't think that the the difference between 
Jordan Love and Tyler Huntley as quarterbacks is simply the coach that's coaching them. So uh, okay, so so I don't know. What, what, I don't what's wanna... the problem with Tyler Huntley? Uh, what what is the problem? And do you think that whatever it is, he can grow out of it? So that's I guess what I'm asking you is because he's got is, a strong arm. Is there a problem? I mean, because if you want him to sit back there in the pocket and and just be a dealer, that's not really what makes him good. But so that's what I'm saying. Is but, there but is not, there really a problem? It's 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 not an all or nothing kind of thing. Uh, I think he 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 maybe could be more patient. Allow that receiver, give him some time to for the route to uh, unfold, and then deliver the ball uh, with without this sort of fear that I think is there. I'm guessing on this. But that's that's what it looks like. And I've talked to enough guys who have played quarterback, including Frank, who watches him and then says the same thing, that that does not look like necessarily a confident passer who's just, like you said, dealing. But eight scrambles is a lot, right? It is. But, I, I but here's the thing. He, uh, he got 39 yards on those eight scrambles. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry. That ain't bad. That's not bad at all. So, so, that's so what, your question is, is it a problem? Right. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Because do you not do you want to take away what makes Tyler Huntley Tyler Huntley? I mean, he's he's a D one quarterback. He's a quarterback on a Pac twelve team. He's a quarterback on a Utah team that has has a lot of potential. So he didn't get there by accident. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, no, he got he, there because of what he brings to the table. And, and he was uh, anointed such by Kyle Whittingham over Troy Williams. Right. Hey, great point. So. You know, maybe if we're asking him to be Steve Young, that's unfair. Where you, well, Steve, where you, uh, when he was in college, played that way. Well, you, he took off running all the time too. No, I got you, but I guess he's the the perfect example of somebody that pops up in my mind who drops back and goes, read one, read two, read three. Not there, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but he had to learn that because he did. But I'm just thinking my perfect example. I'm, try, I'm trying to be extreme right. here I for a it. second. So I I, maybe it's not fair of us to expect a happy medium. Well, maybe it, this is what makes him as as good as he's going to be. Well, if we're going to even suggest that there could be a negative impact on the quarterback because he has a head coach who preaches at him over and over again, don't turn the ball over. Part of the reason that, in my opinion. In my opinion, part of the reason that Tyler Huntley was promoted to the starter over Troy Williams was the fact that he was a dual threat. He could throw it and he could run it because Kyle loves that stuff. He loves mobile quarterbacks because he thinks it's so hard to defend. So he wants it in his quarterback. And when you're so running, make, you're not throwing interceptions. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And and he, and so if your if your quarter if your uh, head coach values that ability, then why wouldn't you take off running eight times? Right. Right. When you drop back the pass. And now it feels like we're going in circles a little bit. But I just don't know. You know, Troy Taylor at the beginning of last year tried to make Tyler Huntley into a drop back quarterback. In a sense, and it didn't really work out all that well. So uh, I think but it's like when we talk about Donovan Mitchell, what do we what's the first thing that we say? What does he need to do? Become more efficient, right? And uh and, and you know, Tyler Huntley was pretty efficient, but when I say efficient, I'm not just talking about passing completion percentage. I'm talking about uh making the right read and delivering the ball where it should go. If a guy is open, he should deliver the ball. Well, I don't think the efficiency is necessarily Tyler Huntley's issue. 
a dynamic passer. I mean, that's, I think, what he He needs to be more effective. But when I say efficient, I'm talking about purely in the passing game. So, well, so making, am I. Making the right read at the right time, making sure the ball gets delivered to the to the to your teammate who has busted his hump to get open, and he's run the route right, and he's there. Give him the ball. Get him the ball. Don't don't take off running yourself because that that is. Uh, I mean, you might pick up four point nine yards a try, but it can be in some circumstances uh, less than ideal as far as your receivers go because they're working hard too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that gets back to our conversation about Coc Mariner. Yeah, it does. Stay tuned. Big Show: Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. 